0: Well, we started last week, just in the summertime, looking at some stories uh, from the Bible to encourage us in our spiritual journeys and in our faith walks. And I really like this because we listen to stories so well. It's just a part of our makeup. When we hear a story, we can glean things out of a story and, and be encouraged by it. And The Bible actually encourages us to do this, to, to look into, into the Bible itself and be encouraged by it, and then to encourage each other. Hebrews 3.13 says... We should encourage one another daily, as long as we call it today, so that none of us would be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It can be so easy for us, our hearts, to go in the wrong direction in this world, and we're to encourage each other for the sake of our hearts, so our hearts can stay right and open before the Lord and so that's why we look into God's word to find that encouragement and so the deceitfulness of sin won't close our hearts off to the things we need to be open to for God to lead and inspire and direct us and i find so much encouragement in the scriptures the encouragement of the forgiveness of sins and to know that my sins aren't counted against me one of my favorite verses is romans chapter 8 verse 1 where it says there is therefore jesus said the whole world stands condemned already But in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free. And so there is this freedom from the the enslavement to sin, the consequence, the, the, the judgment of sin. And that is a great joy for me over my life, knowing that my sins are no longer counted against me. And then being adopted into God's family, knowing that assurance that I'm his child, for all eternity, that's that's a great encouragement to me. And being a part of his family, that sense of security. And when you go anywhere in the world, and you meet another believer, and you have that kindred spirit with them, because, because God's spirit is in us, our spirit testifies with their spirit, with God's spirit, that we're of the same family, that we're his children. I remember one time... My wife and I, we've only been overseas twice, so one time we were in Jamaica, and we had a gentleman we got to know from Jamaica, he didn't speak English very well, but he saw I was reading my Bible, and he got so excited about me reading the Bible, and and we started to talk, and there was just this fellowship across these you know, language barriers and stuff that was so encouraging to me. And that kind of encouragement from, and the Bible says we can experience that kind of encouragement, but there's a deep sense of uh, encouragement I feel, having been a believer since age eight, that came to me then and continues to be a part of my life to this day. And that is this sense that my life has a purpose to it, that there's some reason I'm here. We say sometimes in Christian circles, we know we have a calling from God, that he, he has a plan for us, and somehow when we're walking with the Lord, we gain that assurance that there's a reason we're here, and that's encouraging to me, to get up and, and not feel a sense of meaninglessness in life. The Bible sometimes calls this an anointing. John wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. You and I, he said, to believers, he was writing to believers, we have an anointing. That word is a word that describes, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there's uh, sometimes God instructs people to put oil on someone and anoint them with oil. And this is a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon them and anointing them with power for some purpose, for a reason. Probably the most famous verse about calling is Ephesians 2.10, where it says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ, adopted into his family, to do things he has prepared in advance for us to do. This sense of meaning, purpose, calling, anointing, when you experience this, there's great encouragement and there's great power in it. So what I want to do today is I want to look at the anointing or the calling of King David. Last week, Ed looked at the heart of David and why God was so inclined towards the heart of David. I want to look at his calling and find out what encouragement we can find from this story about our own personal callings. And what I want to do is I want to make three observations about David's calling and how those might translate to our lives and uh, and see if we can find some encouragement here. So the story, the setting of the story is the Israelites, the 12 tribes, have come into the promised land. They lived for some time just as 12 tribes. Then they had some disputes between them, and so God appointed some judges to handle the disputes between them. And then the people started to get more fearful. Maybe they were straying from God, from what we understand. And so then they started to ask for a king. God didn't want to give them a king. He wanted to be their king, and he wanted to be the king of their kingdom, the Israelite kingdom. But they, lacking faith, were asking God for a physical king. So begrudgingly, he, uh, he went to his judge Samuel and said, Samuel, I want you to go appoint a king. And that first king he appointed was King Saul. And King Saul started out seemingly well. But his heart wasn't reverent and fearful of God. And so he started to stray from God and disobey God. And so he started to bring calamity on himself and the kingdom. And so eventually God rejected him as the king of Israel. And he picked out another king. And this is where we pick up the story of King David being anointed. And the story is this. Samuel was grieved that God was rejecting Saul as king. But uh, the Lord said to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, How long will you remain mournful over Saul I've rejected him as king fill your horn with oil be on your way I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem I have chosen one of his sons to be king but Samuel said how can I go do this anoint another king while Saul's still alive he will hear about it and he'll kill me so God said to Samuel go to worship me take a heifer with you Offer it as a sacrifice there. Invite Jesse and others in the community to come worship with you. And invite Jesse to bring his sons, and then I'll show you what to do. So Samuel did this, and he began the worship. And, and when Jesse and his sons arrived, verse 9, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab was his oldest son. And he thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. And then 1 Samuel sixteen seven, very famous verse. But the Lord said to Samuel... Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse had his other seven sons pass before Samuel, and none of them, none of them moved Samuel in his spirit by God to anoint them. And so Samuel said to Jesse, Do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, well, there's another, the youngest, he's out tending sheep. Samuel said, knowing, doing the math, there's only one left. This has got to be the anointed one. I came here to anoint one of Jesse's sons. He said to the group, we won't sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for David. David came, and uh, when he arrived, they saw that he was ruddy, fine appearance, handsome. And the Lord said to Samuel, "'Rise and anoint him, he is the one.' So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of the brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power." First observation I want to make about the anointing of David in this story is this. He received his, we want to, if we want to call it calling, his commissioning, his anointing. He received it early in life And I believe the Bible tells us he received it early because of the condition of his heart. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we want to know what God's purpose is for our lives, maybe to get clarity on it, We have to deal with our heart. It's in the heart that God speaks to us. Here's what what God said of David. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And Ed shared this verse last week about his heart. After removing Saul as the king, God made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Who wrote the 23rd Psalm? It was David. How did he begin that? The Lord is my shepherd. It's a statement of surrender. The Lord can lead me wherever He wants me to go. I have a clean slate before Him. What did God say of David? He's a man after my own heart. He will do everything i want him to do second chronicles 16 9 says the eyes of the lord are looking to and fro across the earth looking what's he looking for he's looking for those whose hearts are completely devoted to him that what that he may give them his strength that he may empower them it's a beautiful picture of this in this story. God has looked around and he says to Samuel, I have found one I'm going to anoint as the king. It's David. He's a man after my own heart. I've looked at his heart. He will do everything I want him to do. When i to ask you this morning, is that you? Is your heart like that? When my wife was in high school, she came to faith in Christ and she received what she knows to be the salvation of her soul. She gained that eternal hope, that eternal confidence, and she became a child of God's and she knew that. But in her upbringing, she had several things that she decided in her heart. When she was younger, her older sister said, you know, someday, she said, I would like to marry a minister. My wife went, what? Why would you want to marry a minister? And uh, her older sister said, well, it would be so fun. You know, he could preach on Sunday, and I could play the piano and the organ, and then we could be a team in ministry through the week. And my wife looked at her and said, are you crazy? You would never have a free weekend in your life. You have weddings, you have, sometimes you have funerals, you have to preach on Sunday, and you're on call all the time. I would never want to be a minister's wife. And so she decided in her heart she didn't want to marry a minister early on. And then she, she happens to have this aversion to dirt and camping and cooking outside. And so she had this sense in her heart that she could do a lot of things in life. But one thing she really didn't want to do is go spend time in a third world country. For instance, let's say Africa. She really didn't want to go to Africa. My mom's been to Africa. There's a lot of outdoor cooking there. There's a lot of dirt. And so my wife had these things in her heart. After her sophomore year in college, she was at home at the church she was attending in Des Moines, and the church had a reputation of doing altar calls. And so they would often call people down front to uh, surrender something to God or open their heart to God for the first time. And, And she was there that evening. It was a Sunday evening service. And the minister came to near the end of his message and he gave an altar call for anyone to come receive Christ into their life. And there were a number of people that went down, she said, and she sat there and she was celebrating that in her heart and she knew she was a believer and so she had that assurance. And then, then the minister changed his tune a little. And he said, now if you're here and you're, a, you're in God's family, but you've never said to God... I will serve you in whatever way you want me to serve you. I want to give you the opportunity tonight, she said, the minister said. To say to God, whatever you want, I will do it. If God calls you, she says he started to go through a line of things. If God calls you to be a teacher, you'll be a teacher in service to him. If God calls you to be a plumber, you'll be a plumber in service to Him. If God calls you to be a mother or a father, you'll be a mother or a father in service to Him, a husband or wife in service to Him. And then He brought it. If God calls you to go to Africa, to be a missionary, you will go to Africa and be in service to Him. If God calls you into ministry, you will go into ministry of service to Him. And my wife said she sat there in the balcony at that church and her heart started to beat. And she had this little war with God. And God was calling her to surrender her life. God, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And she said it came to the point where it felt like her heart was beating out of her chest. And so finally she got up and walked down to the front, tears coming down her eyes and said, God, if you want me to go to Africa, I'll go to Africa. We laugh now. Because she has this sense in her heart, and I do too, that God was actually preparing her for the grueling calling of being a minister's wife and being married to the likes of me. And such suffering has been a journey for her. But God was wondering, I think, of my wife. Will you serve me whatever I ask? I believe to to understand what God wants for us, to get clarity on it, we have to just put it all on the table and say, God, here I am. And I think we see this in David's life. Above all else, his son Solomon would write, guard your heart. Don't let it stray from the Lord. Don't clutter it up with other things. Leave it on the altar. Out of it for the inspirations, the directions, the movements of life from God. First observation is that David's heart was right before God, and so he received his calling early. And then when we look at David's calling, very quickly he was then invited into King Saul's presence to comfort him. King Saul was straying from the Lord, so he was tormented. And so he was invited. David could play the harp, and so they invited him to come comfort the king. And so he got to... Uh, sense what it was like to be a king in the king's court there and he started to learn and then not long after that his father sent him to the front of the The Israelite army where his brothers were and said take some provisions there give them some food and when he got there There was a man named Goliath taunting the army and and David was moved in his spirit Now he's anointed as the king there is there is God's working in his life And he can't understand why no one can slay Goliath And so under the inspiration of God he goes and he slays Goliath and and then he starts moving into his call Even though he hasn't been proclaimed king yet and he faces all kinds of unique circumstances that are unique to his calling. Unique challenges that are just, just for him. There's unique, unique opportunities that are just a part of his anointing. And soon Saul became threatened by David and through his spirit David and tried to kill David and there was great trauma and, and challenges and circumstances a part of David's call. And I think this is true for all of us. We all have a very unique calling. Certainly we're a part of a community, but no one can do what you're called to do. No one can do what I'm called to do. No one is anointed to do what you're anointed to do. No one's anointed to do what I'm anointed to do. And if our hearts are right, we'll all learn our calling, and we can live into that. It'll have unique challenges to it, unique opportunities. And we shouldn't compare ourselves with other people's callings. At one point in Jesus' ministry, He was talking to Peter, John chapter 21, and he he was describing to Peter a little bit of the uniqueness of his call. And he said this, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But here's what he said to Peter, a part of his calling. When you're older, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you. Someone will lead you where you don't want to go. And upon this, you know, Peter wasn't too excited about his call. Because Jesus was really indicating to Peter what kind of death he was going to experience. And so you know what Peter said? Peter saw John over on the distance and he said to Jesus, well, well, what about John? What about his calling? And you know what Peter, Jesus said back to him? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What is John's calling to you? And then he said right to Peter, you must follow me you must live out your calling before me you'll be accountable for your anointing not for John's and so it is with you and I and so it was with David he had a unique calling totally unique to him and so do we and the third observation I want to make comes later in David's call David has been living out his call he's Come to kingship. He never lost a battle as a king. The anointing and the power was upon David, and and he was he never lost a battle. And uh, just after the story Ed recounted last week, we go to 2 Samuel chapter eleven, and I want to read this to you. This has this has haunted me for a number of years. In the spring, it says David is king. He's in his castle. They spend the winter, the kings, they don't battle that much in the winter time. But in the spring, and listen to what it says, at the times when kings go off to war. Part of the duty of David's calling was as king to take his his men into battle and protect the Israelites. And they would go to war in the spring and just check on where the borders were and, and how things were and if they were under threat in any way. So it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, this would be like in the spring when farmers go out to plant, or in the fall when farmers go to harvest, or in the fall when teachers go back to teach, or in the morning when the doctor gets up to go to work. In the spring, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab. He sent him out with his men, the king's men, and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, and they besieged Rabbah. But here it is. But David... Remained in Jerusalem. Twice it says it. This is the famous story of David and Bathsheba later in his life. Do you know that the greatest setback in David's life, observation about his call, the greatest setback in David's life occurred when he shrunk back From the duties of his call. Why did he stay home? We don't know. Maybe he was just enjoying some of the perks and privileges of his position. Maybe he just said, I'm king. I don't have to go. I'll send them. Maybe he was worn out. He hadn't stewarded his time well and he was tired. Maybe he was just being lazy. Whatever we read in the next verse, he wasn't being that responsible. It says, one evening, David got up from his bed. I wonder if he'd been in bed all day. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. So David sent someone to find out about her. And most of us probably know the story. This was Bathsheba. And David fell into sin with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba became pregnant. And she was the wife of one of his soldiers. And so David had his soldier killed at the front lines. And when David shrunk back from the duties of his call, the temptation of sin started to overcome him. And he started to dig deeper and deeper into his life. I believe he shrunk back. And he, he knew it. And he wasn't feeling good about himself. And so sin started to look more pleasurable. He needed some relief. And so he sinned with Bathsheba and then he became afraid and guilty and he dug himself deeper. And God came to him and the rest of his life, not only he suffered, but so did the kingdom of Israel. Because he wasn't faithful to the duties of his call. I share this story with you for encouragement. We're to encourage one another daily so that none of us would be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Wherever you're at today, I think you could find some encouragement from David's story. If you don't know what God wants you to do in life, maybe you need to do some heart work. And say, God, here I am. And spend some time confessing and getting right before the Lord and getting your heart open to him. If you're on your journey and you're finding that you think your challenges are totally unique to you and you don't know how to handle them, and maybe you could take some encouragement and comfort from David or from anyone who's ever walked with God in just knowing all of us have totally unique challenges that God knows about and He can help us walk through and He can empower us through if we live by faith in Him. Or maybe you're in your journey of ways and you've been buying into this American mindset, I've done my duty. I've paid my dues. Maybe I'll just sit back for a time. And if that's you, could I encourage you with the life of David? If it's springtime and you're supposed to be off to war, go to war. If there's something you know you should be doing... And you're not doing it, the Bible says, to them, even that is sin. And when you don't do what God calls you to do, and you shrink back from it, other sins will become more attractive to you. And if you buy into that, you may suffer immensely, and so may those around you. So if you're late in your journey, don't quit living out your call and your anointing before God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of David and how he was faithful to you and he started so strong and his heart was so surrendered to you. And we can learn from that, Lord. And, and I would guess all of us in this room would want to declare you as our shepherd. And we could be, we want to be your sheep and we want to be open. And if there's some who, here who aren't this way, Lord, help them come to you to that point of saying, I will go wherever you want me to go, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then those of us that are in our journeys and find unique challenges and circumstances we don't know how to handle. I pray that you would encourage us by your spirit within us. Give us faith. Give us hope. And then help us persevere in the duties of our call to honor you. So we at the end of our days could hear that well done, good and faithful servant. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.